0: Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Amber Carroll. I am one of the pastors here at the church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, for those of you who've been with us over the last several weeks, we've been in a message series entitled Trending, and we are choosing what counts over what is catchy. And we've explored um, how to trend humility instead of pride, how to trend, um, oh, gosh, uh, what else, did we, what else did we talk about? Honesty or relying. Um, we talked about selfishness, about being available, about blessing. And today we're going to talk about anger. And what's interesting when we talk about the different character traits in our lives, it's really easy for us to compartmentalize people, right? We have a tendency to say there are two kinds of people in this world There are people who are really messed up and who have a lot of problems, and then there are normal people like me, (laughs) right? But Jesus came and said, actually, there are two types of people in this world. See, there are people who really have problems and are aware that they really have problems, and then there are people who really have problems and are in denial that they have problems, and so we've been in this message series looking at how do we live lives that trend character the character of Christ. How do we present everyone fully mature in Christ? And what does that life look like like that? How do we live lives that trend love? We choose love over anger. And so Jesus addresses anger and we're going to jump right into that um, this morning. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount and that's in Matthew 5 verses 21 through 26 when he talks about anger. If you brought your Bibles you can read along or you can follow along on the screen and we'll have it up there. But let's just go ahead and read that for a minute before we get st- as we get started. Jesus is talking. He says, "Um, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember, That your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer. And then, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus... Anger in the Sermon on the Mount is the very first uh, character trait that he addresses. And he does this because he knows that anger is the root cause of so much human, m- human misery. Since the beginning of time. And he's, he's saying here, you've heard it was said, you shall not murder. He's talking to this group of people, the Pharisees, the religious right, the people coming, they're following Jesus to learn about him. And he says, you know the laws. they they did their best to follow the laws. They loved checklists. And they were very, very legalistic about how they viewed their faith. And so Jesus says, um, you've heard it said, okay, you got this. I'm going to take it a step further. Because what Jesus says is he takes it from an external behavior that you could measure, and he goes right to the heart. And that's what Jesus is concerned about here. He's concerned about our hearts. See, anger is a uh, human emotion given to us by God. So why would Jesus say don't be angry if, we're, if it's an emotion that we are given by God? See, the purpose of anger is to alert us that something is wrong and then give us the energy um, to propel us into action to correct what's, what's happened. Anger's intent was to seek justice. And the problem with us wanting to seek justice from our anger is that we have too much baggage we are carrying with us pride and ego and hurt, and so often our anger quickly turns to, from, from anger to the de- desire to inflict harm on the person or the thing that has made me angry. And see, the reason that we get angry in the first place is because someone or something has gotten in the way of my will, Something has gotten in the way of what I have planned to happen. Um, I want control. I have expectations of how things are supposed to go or of how this world is supposed to be. And when things get in the way of that, it makes me angry. See, there are two types of anger. There's the visceral anger, which is the thing that hits us immediately. You're at, you're at, uh, at um, breakfast, and the waiter spills the water on you, and you immediately you're angry, Right? A lot of us don't have control over that immediate anger response reaction. Now, you can become the kind of person who doesn't immediately respond with anger by practice, by living a life where you work hard to not uh, respond that way. But the second type of anger, I think it's the most common one, and that's what we call meditative anger. It's the one that grows over a period of time where you let it stew. It's where you uh, replay the incident over and over, where you have those anger fantasies. Ah, I wish I would have said this. If I could have replayed it, I would say this. You know, And it kind of just goes and goes. And, and um, this is where, when we allow that, those thoughts to take residence in our heart and in our mind, um, that's when uh, it begins to spill out and it begins to ooze out of us. See, when our feelings turn into actions, that's when we get into real trouble. Um, so, so why is, is it a problem? Because, see, the thing is, to get angry is one thing, but, but to move very quickly from anger into, I now want to cause harm to the thing that is making me angry. So go with me here, okay? So um, you're, you get up late for work or school, you just, you've just you slept in. You've hit the alarm doors. Now you're in a hurry, and you're rushing around, and you b- burn the toast, and you stub your toe on your bed, and you're brushing your hair, those of you who have hair, and you're brushing your hair, and then, sorry, let me, and, and, you're, and you know, you're rushing, and your brush gets stuck in your hair, and it gets tangled, and you throw the brush on the ground. You're like, you stupid brush, because it's the brush's fault. But you're late, but you're angry at the brush, right? We take it out on... The brush. Not the brush's fault. Happy Gilmer was a movie that came out, if you remember this, and I love this scene. Um, Adam Sandler was a hockey player turned golfer, and he's yelling at the ball. He's like, go in your home. Why won't you go in your home? He was so mad at the ball. None of you can relate to that, right? Getting mad at your game ever. I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not knocking on you, babe. Love you. I was, um, I was thinking about oh, trying to find a good viral video is there something that's been trending on the internet of someone who has displayed this kind of anger at an inanimate object that really is not the cause of your anger and I found a video that many of you might have seen before but actually it was probably the first video to ever go viral um, and it was, it's called Bad Day and it's about a guy who's really mad at his computer so let's watch that How many of you can relate to that? (laughs) And if you've ever had to work on a computer that looked like that, you you know exactly what that is. But you know, the problem in this world is not hairbrushes or golf balls or computers. The real problem of our anger is other people, right? We move from stupid brush to stupid golf game to stupid person. And John and I were in Kansas City uh, last weekend for my birthday, and we had come out of our room to go downstairs for breakfast, and, you know, they lay the newspaper outside of your, your door, and this newspaper was their face-up, <clears throat> and um, first thing on there was convicted killer charged in road rage stabbing death. He was in his car, the guy in front of him wasn't merging fast enough, and that anger just oozed out over into where it's no longer a stupid car, it's stupid human, and then it resulted in a 23-year-old losing his life. See, the stupid person, got in my way, and I let my anger get the best of me. Jesus says, we are supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to bless those who persecute us. With Jesus, it is never okay to not <clears throat> love somebody. We know this. He talks about this. It is never okay to cease the will, cease to will the good of somebody. So he, he, he points to us in Matthew, and and we're going to go back to that in a second. He says, right now, he says, you've heard it said. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So I want to take a minute here, and he uses anger and murder in the same sentence. And we might be thinking, why does he do that? Because there are two very different things, and murder is an action that was taken out. Surely, Jesus isn't talking about all kinds of anger. I mean... Anger is God-given emotion. I mean, how can we not be angry? And, and we, we tend to try all sorts of ways to kind of explain our way out of this teaching of Jesus. Um, but pay attention here. See, some people will say, oh, but Jesus was just talking about unjustified anger. That justified anger is okay. That's not what Jesus says. He says anger. He says anger here. Some of the footnotes in your Bibles will say, I'm angry without cause, but it's a footnote. It is not Jesus' words. So we look at what Jesus said here. Unjustified anger is not okay, but righteous anger, righteous indignation is okay. Some people will look at that and say, This is impossible. What Jesus is talking about is just not possible for us to not be angry. I mean, so, so maybe all I'm supposed to do is learn the right things about Jesus. Learn the right doctrine, and that'll get me into heaven, and I don't really ever have to actually obey anything Jesus said. I just learn enough knowledge. That's not what Jesus said. Actually, Jesus said, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. I want us to look at that for one, one quick thing. Anyone who is angry. Now, he doesn't say don't get angry, right? Because I think, because he knows, we're going to get angry. We're going to get angry. But it's is angry. Don't be angry. Don't live in the anger, right? Do you see the distinction here? Like, it's, it's the anger, but then it's, what do we do with it, with that emotion? So, Jesus is beautiful and wonderful, and he says do not be angry, and then he gives us some illustrations on how to deal with it. What do we do with it? See, the danger with our anger is when we give into it, when we allow the anger fantasies to play over and over again and allow it to seep in into our lives. When we set our, th- our sights on the things of this world and not of the things above, it will derail us. So we'll go back to this. He says, says, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, I thought it was interesting. He said, again, but it was right after that first sentence. See, the first time he says it, he says, you've heard it said, don't murder. Um, I'm saying, don't be angry. And then the very next thing he says, is, again. It's like it's like he's looking at he's looking at the crowd and he's saying don't murder they're like yeah i know we got that and he's like don't be angry and they're like oh yeah surely you're kidding right and then he's like no 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 again um, you can't even say raka or you fool i'm i'm talking about your words are so damaging even speaking those angry words are liable you're liable to judgment now people in this room Many of us might think, well, I don't yell or scream. I don't use bad words or um, I don't curse. So therefore, I don't have an anger problem. And I would say, oh, you probably do. Because anger displays itself in many different ways. Passive aggressiveness, silence, withdrawal, avoidance, yelling, anger, eye roll, See, there's this whole spectrum of anger. You know, you know, I know, you probably know people in your life who are um, just get frustrated really easily. Well, I would say frustration easily is on this continuum of, of anger. What someone might see as frustration in one person, I would see as anger, and then another person might see as rage. It's all where we are at on, in, our, in our own worldview and how we see things. But no matter how we display our anger, or no matter how it oozes out of us, Jesus calls us to something higher, something better. And he knows it's an emotion that we need to learn how to deal with, with something we have to learn how to get control over, or it will take control over us. So he says, don't be angry, but then he gives us some ways how we can live in the kingdom of God and deal with this anger. So he says, number one, he says, reconcile broken relationships. So it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. It says, make reconciling a broken relationship a higher priority than doing a religious activity. Relationships over religious rightness. For his audience then, it was a huge deal. Because they were all about showing up, that checklist, see what I can do, look at how holy I am. And he's saying, are your relationships okay? Is there anything you need to go make right? He says, work on that. So he's saying, we're supposed to love each other, work at it, then bring our gifts to the altar. Which takes practice. It takes dying to yourself, dying to your ego, um, your right to be, your need to be right, your pride. Reconciliation is what Jesus wants first people. And he tells us that over and over again. Now this is a very tricky thing sometimes for us to enter into. Uh, oftentimes it takes years for reconciliation to happen. The truth is we might not even experience reconciliation on this side of eternity. There might be people in your life right now where you're thinking, I don't know if I will ever be able to reconcile. And this is not a rule. He's not saying, um, go, go make your relationships right before you can come to the altar. He's not saying that. He's saying, you have control over your heart. And maybe all that you can offer in this moment with this relationship is a willingness, a willing heart to God for reconciliation. Maybe the person's heart is hardened and there's nothing you can do, but you can control you. This is what Jesus is saying. See, the truth is, there is a lot of rationalization that goes around on why we don't need to go reconcile with people. You know, rationalizing, I don't need to go reconcile, it's not my fault that the fight occurred. I mean, it's not my responsibility. I don't have any angry feelings towards this person. I'm not mad. I don't wish them any ill will, so therefore... I don't need to do anything about it. It's their problem, not mine. But here, if we look back at that, Jesus doesn't say, um, manage your own emotions in order to avoid anger. Avoidance is not loving. Love wills the good of the other person. A lot of us let ourselves off the hook for reconciliation, but love seeks reconciliation. You cannot control the other person, but you can control you. And it says, if you notice someone has a problem with you, you go make it right. The oneness is on us. Number two, he says, initiate kindness with your adversaries. So he says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may, throw, may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. So someone's treating you poorly. You're being taken to court. Whether fair or not, Jesus says try to settle it on your own. And that takes a heart to seek to understand the other person. To seek to understand the person who's harmed you or hurt you. Is there a way to make friends with your enemy or the person who's caused you harm? What would it look like for you to seek to do what is best in that person? Maybe it is a legal battle. Maybe it's a troublesome ex spouse or a boss or a student or a parent, friend, a neighbor. Now, sometimes the best thing, the most loving thing for somebody is legal action. Sometimes that is the case. What, would, what kind of life would someone live? What would it look like for someone who makes it a priority to make friends with their enemies and to seek reconciliation? What does that kind of person look like? You know, we are promised peace and joy, peace that passes all understanding when we obey Jesus. Peace of mind and heart. Peace rules over turmoil that anger stirs in us. True peace comes when we obey Jesus. There's a book called The Irresistible Revolution. It was written by Shane Claiborne. And he tells a story of a night he was in a cathedral in Baghdad. And he was listening to a priest who told a true story of a woman who um, who, her son and her husband were killed by a police officer. And eventually they caught up with the police officer and they dragged him to court and the judge had this police officer in front of him deciding on the sentence of what's going to be the sentence for this guy's wrongdoing. And the woman spoke up boldly and this is what she said. She said, he took my family away from me and I still have a lot of love to give in this life. And he needs to know what love and grace feel like. So I think he should have to come to my home and visit, come to visit my home in the slums twice a month, and spend time with me, so that I can be a mother to him, so that I can embrace him, and he can know that my forgiveness is real. I heard that story when I read that the first time. I thought, Wow, I don't think I could do that. That would be a really hard thing. And you, but you know, that woman did not wake up one day and just decide to do that. This is someone who walked day in and day out with Jesus, who made choices to love people even when they weren't being lovely. It's that day in, day out, long obedience in the right direction to become the kind of people that Jesus has called us to be. And she is somebody who had every right to rationalize her way out of loving this person. But yet she chose love and she chose to will the good of the man who took her son and her husband from her. Now, I know this is tricky. I mean, even as I'm saying this, I know some stories of your lives in this room where there are legal battles going on or you're just coming out of one and you've experienced being taken advantage of. And, and um, again, sometimes the most loving thing we can do is, is pursue legal help. But this is an illustration. See, Jesus knows that, Jesus knows what being dragged to court feels like. He knows what that does to us. He knows what happens when we don't forgive or we don't seek reconciliation or we don't just pray for those who are persecuting us. You know what happens? We suffer when we don't learn how to seek the good of others. And, and to seek revenge and justice on our own, he knows what that does to our heart. And so he's saying, this is not what I want for you. I know what's best for you. So, third thing, third thing. Um, censor what you feed your Mind. Pay close attention to what you are feeding your mind day in and day out. Be aware of your responses in your body when you're watching TV or listening to the radio or certain media channels. You know, so the other night, the kids and I and John, I'm trying to find a a good, like, family show to watch on TV And, uh, I mean, just thinking, like, really hard. Like, what can I watch that's appropriate with my 5th grader and my 7th grader? And and so we we thought, oh, we'll watch cooking. Like, a cooking show could be fun. And Aiden said, oh, what about Gordon Ramsay? Let's watch Kitchen Nightmares. I am not advocating anyone watch this show. In fact, we watched the whole hour, which I'm embarrassed to admit. The whole hour was bleeping and... (laughs) Wee! I mean they're yelling at each other and they're fighting and they're screaming and like it was it was terrible. It was so stressful. And when it was over, John and I were like, I can't believe we watched this whole thing. And Mia stands up and she's like yelling at the TV, like, yeah, and she's like all in it, and then and then Aiden and Mia were fighting, and we were like, Oh my gosh, and Aiden's like, that was great, let's watch it again. We're like, uh We are never, ever watching this show ever again. And I'm thinking, whatever happened to Predictability, The Milkman, The Paperboy, and Evening TV. You miss your old familiar friends just waiting there around the bin? Come on, what's it from? Full House, house, like the best family show ever. Where are those? And don't watch Fuller House because it's not the same thing. (laughs) But what what are you feeding your mind? Like what are you allowing to take up residence in your mind? Eliminate the garbage, the, the 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 news channels, the feeds that just make you crazy, that are meant, that are designed to stir up anger in you. What music are you listening to? Talk radio. Oh my goodness, be careful. When you're commuting to work, I mean, what are you allowing in your cars? Pay attention to it. Are you allowing toxic influences to come in and just feed you and stir it? up in you. There's a quote that says what you do every day matters more than what you do every once in a while. The day in and day out moments of our lives. those small moments all put together make up our lives. Baby steps of love and honesty of dying to oneself. Seeking truth instead of judging. Each moment we have the opportunity to choose love over anger. And I got the chance to do that a couple weeks ago. Um, sometimes when we're preparing a sermon, um, it's hard to come up with personal illustrations. you just kind of like, oh, I wonder what I'm supposed to share with this. Um, for this morning, there was a lot. I, I could share a lot um, of stuff that John has shared, uh, <laughs> has lived into. No, I, I really, but I had the opportunity to practice this a couple weeks ago. It was May 1st. And um, uh, at 3.04 in the afternoon, and I was leaving here. I was in my car, and um, I was driving past the school, and the cop car is coming up on behind me. I'm like, oh, I wonder who, who he's after. And he flips on the lights and pulls me over. I'm like, I don't, I'm a really good driver. <laughs> I'm a very good driver, I go speed limit, I am, but I'm also very guilty, like I'm always afraid when I see a cop car that I'm going to get in trouble, and I did get in trouble this day, I was like, what happened? So anyway, pulls over, and I'm like, oh, what's on the, what's going on, was I on the phone with you? No, I was on the phone with my dad, anyway, um, and he said, do you know why you pulled you over? And I was like, no, and he said, your tags are expired, I said, what, he said, your tags are expired. I said no way. He said way. I said no way. He said way. I said well, when do they expire? And he said April. And I was like, oh, well, today's May first. <laughs> uh, and he's like, yeah. I said okay. Lotions to registration, please. I'm like okay. So he goes back, and I'm thinking, what in the world? How does this happen? I'm like, I, I, I always pay my bills. I, whatever. He comes back. I'm thinking, surely. I'm going to get a warning, right? Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, how many hours can you drive an El Dorado on an expired tag? 15 hours and four minutes, (laughs) apparently. So he gives me a ticket, and $183, right? So he pulls away. Cue righteous indignation, okay? I am like... What? I can't he's not even giving me a warning. It is May first. It is only fifteen hours. And what is he doing? Is he just watching me? Does he not love Jesus? Does he not know I'm a pastor? What in the world? Right? I'm looking at thinking, what is he just waiting? I mean they I not have anything better to do than wait and pull someone over. May first. I got fifteen hours in an expired tag, right? So you're with me. You're like I'm like I'm thinking. What's his name? I'll I'll put something on Facebook like ha ha ha. You know, uh, the you know kind of have some fun poking fun at our El Dorado Police Department for pulling me over. How dare he? Right. But I kind of laughed it off a little bit, and I go to track meet that night, and I'm sitting next to my friend Eric, which you had some of you had an opportunity to meet last week, and I'm. Sharing, I'm recalling the day a little bit, and I was telling him some of the thoughts I was having, kind of in jest, but also um, trying to maybe vent a little bit. Um, my pride was hurt, was a little embarrassed by getting pulled over um, in front of the middle school. And, um, and Eric is, is great, who, by the way, Eric is committed to the little things. Eric has committed to live a life of following Jesus. And he did not indulge my story at all. Uh, He didn't join in. He didn't um, allow me, actually, to continue. He said, did you get snarky with that cop? (laughs) I was like, no. See, Eric was concerned that uh, my anger might have spilled out into behavior, which could ruin my Christian witness. And I was really glad that I wasn't snarky with that cop. Because I was like, no, I I mean, I really wasn't. I actually thanked him. Thanks him for a ticket. (laughs) But I, I really, uh, I didn't get snarky with him, and I thought about it, you know. And I, I I told some of you in this room that it happened. Admit, you know, kind of indulge that for a minute. But I, the longer I thought about it, I thought, what good is that going to do for me to post something on Facebook making fun of our El Dorado Police Department? Because at the end of the day, for me to will the good of my fellow Brother in, in, um, brother in Christ, whether or not he believes in Jesus. Um, what I really want to have happen is I want people to respect our law enforcement. I don't want to give people another, another reason to not respect or not trust our law enforcement. So I'm not going to put anything out there that's going to mock them. But it's those little baby steps. Understanding that those little small acts of obedience to Jesus make up a life in the kingdom. So I'm growing. <laughs> I'm growing. And it takes time. It takes time and we're going to mess up. But if we don't practice, we'll never get there. And that, it, that story might seem really insignificant. Even the smallest anger fantasies add up in the kingdom. There is no loophole for loving each other. Whether it's an expired tag or brush or someone cutting you off in line or the cash register, a guy at I- Ikea who's really making you angry. Um, the life that God calls us to live is very different than what the world calls us to. Mother Teresa said, we can do not great things, only small things with great love. It's the little things in life, it's the big things. And if we ever wonder... If there is an offense too big or, or too great or so big that we could get let off the hook for being angry, we just have to remember the cross. See, there is a spiritual warfare going on, raging war for you. There's a battle between love and hate and good and evil. And there's a battle for real estate in your heart and in your soul. And we cannot choose how others are going to respond we can't control the actions of anyone else but ourselves. Every moment is an opportunity for us to choose love, for us to choose the cross. And, you know, we get a new day every day, and we have access to Jesus because what he did on that cross for us. Because of the forgiveness of the sins, of all our sins, for all the world and for all time. And the good news is that Jesus won He already won. God's grace was poured out over all the sins of the world. No matter what the offense, we can seek reconciliation and forgiveness. We can do that. Will we also offer it to others? Will we also give others the opportunity for the same grace extended to us? I'm actually going to ask our ushers to come forward this morning as we prepare for our morning offering, and we're going to collect our connect cards as well. Um, but as they're as they're coming forward, and our music team's coming up, our offering time is our is a chance for us to worship. It's an act of worship, and I want to go back to this verse. And he said, "Before you." Bring your gifts to the altar and you know that you have a brother or sister is angry with you. Go and seek reconciliation. Now, I'm not asking you to get up and run out of here right now to go um, seek reconciliation. But there is something that you can do here right now, this morning, to make a step in that direction. Passage says, before we bring the gift, we, we lay the gift down, we reconcile, and then we come back. So, this morning as we pass our baskets, as we give our gifts to God, I'm going to ask you this. Has anger gotten a hold of you? Is there something that you just can't let go of? And before the offering comes by, are you able to offer a willing heart to God? A willing heart that seeks reconciliation. A willing heart that says, there's a broken relationship, God, and I don't know how to do it, but I'm just willing, whatever your will be done, your will, not mine. You can do that this morning. It can be the first step to freedom. Freedom from that anger. Is there an adversary that you are feeling nudged to offer up a kindness today, this week? Right now, you can ask God to show you what that would look like. Pray for guidance to show kindness, to show love. And finally, you can ask God to give you the eyes and the ears to see who or what you are allowing to speak into your life that is fueling your anger. And today, you can choose grace upon grace upon grace. Let love trend over anger. And let's let the cross have the final word in it all. Let's pray. Oh God, we come to you this morning. We humble ourselves before you to know, to say, God, we, uh, we don't have it all figured out. Search our hearts. Search our souls. Show us where it is we need you Show us where we can um, live into this more fully. And as we give of our offering this morning, God, we give it to you uh, in trust and in surrender that um, you've got this, that you love us more than we could ever know, that you love our enemies more than we could ever know. God, we love you. We honor you and we worship you today. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.